Hello everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or even extreme metal. One day I'll get this intro right. Coming up on this week's show we have all the news from the last seven days including that from Avengers Sevenfold, Deftones, Feed the Rhino and Damnation Festival. Uh, album reviews come in the form of Supruga and In Flames and the open mic night for this week is The Damn Things. And as well as all that, there's even the return, the, I'm sure, wholeheartedly welcomed return of live reviews. Re- well, review. It's exciting. It's a local live review too, so doubly exciting if you live in the same area as I do. But as ever, we'll start with the news. Uh, Avengers Sevenfold are taking 2019 off from touring. Uh, this is in order to focus on writing new material and to spend some quality time with the fan, which... I think we can all respect that. Uh, it comes from radio personality Lou Brutus, whom I have never heard of, and I'm going to assume is some kind of American. Uh, he was saying via his Instagram, I was just texting Zachy Vengeance, who is the... Oh, shit, have I forgotten? He's the, he's the bassist, isn't he? Anyways, just texting uh, Zachy Vengeance and asked him about Avengers Unfold touring. He told me, I don't think we'll be doing any touring this year. Got some new babies on the way and I'm starting to get really focused on new material. I never deal with in absolutes, but right now it's leaning heavily towards 2020. While I'm bummed about no touring for a while, I'm very happy to, for their family additions and eventual music. Excelsior! That's that's kind of what he said. I'm very confused now. Did I get that? No, Zaki was the guitarist. Did I say bass before? I meant guitarist because I know these things. Um, but yeah. Kind of a shame I'm not going to have any new Avengers Sevenfold this year, but given the circumstances, I feel like we can all allow it. Chino Moreno from Deftones is comparing new material that they're writing for Deftones to White Pony in terms of experimentation, which I think is Chino's way of saying it's going to sound weird as fuck, but because we're Deftones, we can get away with it. So, sounds good to me. Um, ah, some disappointing news well not disappointing just some sad news uh feed the rhino have decided they're going to split up after just over 10 years of being a band with their final show being on the 17th of may i think it was last week when i was talking about the zokes album when i said there's a pocket of bands from the like the turn of the decade where the british music scene was becoming so so good and like so consistent and there was like bands who were doing all sorts of weird and wonderful things but they're to a really great degree but as much fan base they got they weren't getting the money back in like they weren't getting support from labels or fans just like fans were supporting it but they weren't financially supporting it if that makes sense and i can like some of the names i threw around last week were the defiled hawkeyes um and then to a lesser extent, Palm Reader and Feed the Rhino. And now that, like, Defile broke up a few years ago, Hawkeyes went on a hiatus, and they are teasing a comeback at the moment. I really hope it picks up steam. Um, and Palm Reader, I think the latest album, Braille, has done enough that they can, like, they have the attention that they want, like need and deserve. And then Feed the Rhino, they came back after a break from The Sorrow and the Sound that came out in 2014. And they released The Silence last year, and I thought that, I really thought that album was great. Um, but for whatever reason, they've decided that it's it's enough, they don't want to do it anymore. 
and like I said, last show comes out 17th, well, last show's happening 17th of May. I really hope, I know obviously, like, what they're doing next is a completely their decision, but I really hope they all do something more in the future. I never got a chance to see them live, but I've been told, like, on record, Lee Tobin is a fantastic frontman, but live, apparently, he is completely bonkers. So, yeah, I think I would really like to see t- lads in new bands in the future. But that is for future thing. Let's just get... Let's allow them to see their career off. Well, see feed the rhino off and then, yeah, do whatever they like. Yeah, I'm disappointed, but the music industry is cruel. And last bit of news we have. Sorry, I'm <clears throat> still... I don't know why I always die. Um, final bit of mu- news this week is from Damnation Festival. Damnation Festival is an extreme metal festival that takes place in Leeds every year, around about uh, October-November time. I think there's always November, actually. I'll be quiet. <clears throat> They've announced their first roundup of bands, and from bottom to top, I'll go through them. You've got God Eater, Aluna, Dawn Rage, Joe Quail, Imperial Triumphant, fucking hell, that sounds amazing, Lord Dying, Birds in Row, and Opeth. Now, I'll be the first one to admit I haven't heard a lot of those bands. Um, I recognise Birds and Row. They, their album last year was really, really interesting. It's like an atmospheric, but still quite heavy, melodic, hardcore record that I still spend on the occasion now. Um, the one It's weird, because the one song that I always go back to, and that I've got in a shuffle playlist, it's like a... It's, the song title is just two numbers, and it's kind of against everything they've got, everything else in the album. Whereas the rest of it is like quite heavy and impactful, and it's really good. This one is more like quite a simple riff in the background, and he it's more of a clean singing execution style, which I thought was comparatively to everything else. Like it's was so different, but it just drew me in, and I think that's what those sort of songs are planned to do. So I got suckered in, and I think by now. Everyone is aware of who Opeth are. Um, and according to... Excuse me. According to the Damnation Post, say, uh, the first lot, of al- uh, first lot of bands, they are going to play a blend of old and new material, which I think will make for a really interesting set because they have they are the band that's gone from very, very heavy-end progressive death metal to more, like, 70s-inspired progressive rock, so... A little bit for everything in this set, hopefully. Uh, Damnation have also said that there's going to be 18 more bands to be announced between now and then. And I'm gutted last year I couldn't go. Um, it was Anana Thrax, only UK appearance of the year. And there's a few other bands that I was like desperate to see. I think Mole were playing last year as well. And gutted, gutted that I decided to run out of money instead. So if you get a chance, go to that. Um... And either way, it's a chance for to discover new extreme albums. They, um, extreme bands, sorry. Damnation like to go for literally everything on the ex- extreme spectrum. So they've got post-black metal, doom metal, black metal, death metal, anything necro, and you can make a hand claw too. It's there. So if Opeth and Burton Row, before everything don't float your boat, do check out the other guys. It's Lord Dying, Imperial Triumphant, Joe Quail, Dawn Raid, Aluna, and God eater. And that is all the news this week because it's been a bit of a quiet week apparently. I feel like I'm forgetting a p- big piece of news, but can't be that big. Um, there's no announcement of any new 
albums or any new um, just singles in general being released this week. So, instead, there's a live view. Aren't we all excited? Oh, no, I'm not. A local nightclub around here called Alley Cat hosted the first of four heats for a Battle of the Bands. And it's for Call of the Wild Festival, which is a local uh, Lincolnshire festival for, well, just a big scope of rock music. And it's going to be four heats with overall winners um, opening the main stage of the festival that's taking place in May. And as well as that, they get loads of sponsorships, PR campaign, and they get support in the studio for upcoming releases. With the other finalists that go into the final heat being offered spots on the bill um, elsewhere. I imagine probably not main stage, but like for a local festival, there's quite a bit in there. I think there's four stages. Uh, three stages, including Badlands, which is the local punk scene label thing. Not 100% sure what the classifier is, but yeah, Badlands has got is known around Lincoln. So there was, on the event, I believe it was six bands advertised, only five played for whatever reason, um, and it opened with Black Emerald. They are from Reading. They are like a southern-tinged groove metal kind of thing. Think Corrosion of Conformity or Down. And I did a bit of reading on Audiax playing before going in just to try and like gauge what I was in for and describe themselves as like, um, stoner, I think it was stoner but accidental prog, which I kind of see both sides of that because they are like a very fuzzy, very southern sound. And the riffs they were having, they're very, very technical and guitar, and they sounded great. The one thing that caught me off guard though was as good as they were really, really strong openers, really, really set the tone for the night. Um, and like I said, I can't say enough about the riff of the guitarist. But the one thing that got me is when they all got on stage, and I was expecting this, like, they described themselves as stoners, so I was expecting, like, the slow, like, plodding affair with big riffs, a lot more fast-paced, and also the lead singer sounds like Bobby Ellsworth from Overkill, which really threw me, but I thought it was excellent. And they played their short set, they moved on to a Newcastle band called Death to Indie. You can tell they were from Newcastle, because in between each song they had, like, banter with the crowd and banter between each other and that's all fine i didn't understand a fucking word of it because i am that southern apparently i can't understand geordie's anymore they play a very 90s sounding punk rock so whereas black emerald will be like super interesting to listen to and sort of like take everything in that was my phone professionalism these guys were more they were just a lot of fun like super fun not that sounds like i'm slagging off black emerald i'm totally not but they, they reminded me, they got me on a nostalgia rip because they reminded me of playing Crazy Taxi on a Dreamcast. If anyone's ever played that game, you'll know that. Like, it's so punk rock, that game. And the other takeaway I've got from Death to Indie was there was a point where Rainer, who is the bassist, I believe, went for a little wander, um, like started hanging out with the crowd as he was playing. I think it was on the last song as well. And he rocked up to the bench that I was sat on. There was a little bit of room, so he climbed on top and next to like the entrance table and started playing there. And I'm really appreciative that this big burly lad who's playing punk rock from Newcastle didn't decide to teabag me on the spot. So, thanks guys. That was Death to Indie. Nice lads, they won't teabag you. 
Then it came to Steal the City. They're from Sheffield. They play a... I describe them as like a post-hardcore infused alt-rock. And contemporaries I can think of as more. Uh, Lowdown Atlantis and Don Broco just like dialed down on the electronics a little bit. And I thought musically, they were really sound. I really enjoyed them musically. But I couldn't help but notice. I don't... I, it's a bad exa- it's a bad comparison, but I went online to like Spotify and look, listened to them on their in the studio. And their vocals sound perfectly fine, which is what you'd come to expect. But the difference between them, their vocals live and their vocals on studio, makes me believe that, and I do believe this, the sound was not set up for them very well, which is a shame because, like I said, musically they're great and on record they are really good as well. Um, it's kind of acceptable for this kind of, well, I think acceptable is the right word. It's more understanding for this kind of thing because it was a low-key pub in the middle of Lincoln and it's just one guy trying to work with these five quite different bands. So I think it's a shame for them, but otherwise I thought they were fantastic. Deliverer are the band that I came to see. Soft spot for them. They are local boys. They are like a synthy, techie, metalcore kind of band. And they were the very first published review that I ever had. Because I reviewed their Illuminate EP. I got sent it early. And yeah, it was it was, it was was really fun to, to do. I felt like a proper journalist. I'm not, but I felt like one. <clears throat> Excuse me. They had some early... Um, say come in with the really famous Charlie Chaplin. Oh, the Dictator... Is it the dictator? We'll go with that. That big speech that Charlie Chaplin does it, where it likes to make the rounds on Facebook quite a bit. And live is quite a feat. You've got that big dramatic speech. They've got the back to you, and then it turns out they explode the song, which is great. Uh, unfortunately, when it started, again, I think similar sort of lines to Steal the City. Didn't have enough time to set up how they want to set up, and didn't get all the levels and everything quite right. And I th- talking to the drummer afterwards, Willem. I think he was saying that their his monitor just was not responding how it was meant to, or something like that. The reap started and did really well to like bring the momentum back up. And easy, they were the heaviest band on the night because just sonically, that they had um, Jack is quite a harsh vocalist. Scott is a really uh, techy guitar player, and yeah, they. Restarted and took it back momentum. I think the bigger takeaway for me was when I did the review for Illuminate. There's a song on there called Damage Time, and I must admit I shat all over that song because I thought the levels and the mixing and just the overall like rapped verses just didn't really work well. Hearing it live, that sound that song sounds fucking huge, and like before my. Favourite song, I think a lot of people's favourite songs from the EP was Demons. And fucking this song, uh, Damage Time, completely blew it out of the water. And it sounded really, really good. And so yeah, and just Jack in general sounds a lot more improved from that first EP. So yeah, really interested to see what kind of music they do next or like what they sound like next. But yeah, Deliver is always really, really good. And final band that played for the night, I almost missed them, and I do feel kind of guilty. They're called Dig 
Lazarus. I'm putting extra emphasis on the G because you know what I could make it sound like. They're from Leicester. They are very, very riff-heavy hard rock. Think um, Queens of the Stone Age or mid-career Foo Fighters. With Deliverer being like quite bouncy, techie metalcore and being local anyways, there was a lot of support for them and they got uh, the crowd moving and they got a lot of energy in the room. And to follow that, for a band that isn't local and I've gone on Spotify, they haven't got, as far as I'm aware, they haven't got a major studio album release yet. But damn it all, they didn't do a fucking good job. We were stood outside when they started and for whatever reason, every other band had like about five, ten minutes or so to swap out and just get set up. The time it took for Deliverer to set down and Dig Lazarus to set up and start playing seems so small compared to everyone else. I don't know if they like got told to hurry up or they just want to get on or whatever, but we were stood outside having a chat and there was so many times where I just was not paying attention to what this person was talk- saying to me. And I was just focused in on the guitar playing inside. It was super, super engaging. And yeah, I feel kind of guilty about missing them. And if you like that kind of, it's very much guitar music. So I don't recommend you have a look for them. Winds on the Night went to Deliverer and Steel steal the City, um, which I think does Steal the City justice. Like I said, I feel like they were unfairly attacked with um, like, um, sound issues on the mic. They will go on to face and another three heats are playing over the next couple of weeks, or next few weeks. And then the top two from each night go on to play the final, and then from the final, potentially, well... All but guaranteed slots at Call of the Wild Festival that I've just got here. Um, it's actually got some big names. It's headlined by The Wild Hearts, The Virgin Marys, and Hardcore Superstar. Let's not click things I'm not supposed to. But yeah, really, really fun night. These sort of things, they are such an easy night out because obviously with being local, I feel like it's not compulsory to, as much as it would be cool to like jump around and act like nutters, it's less than... I'd say about just less than 100 people in the room. You can listen to really good music, support local bands because their merch is so fucking cheap compared to major bands, and have a few drinks. Really fun nights. Do recommend that you give them what you can because support the scene and such. But yeah, really great night. They were, um, just one more time, Black Emerald, more like Southern Tinge Groove Rock, Death to Indie, more like 90s punk, Steel City, um, like post-hardcore-y um, alternative rock. Deliverer are like technical metalcore and Dig Lazarus, which are a riffy hard rock band. Yeah, I had a fun day. Night. Fun night. Night time. Cool. After bouncing through that or bumbling through that, move on to... I didn't want to press that. No. Album reviews. And the first album I'm going to listen... I'm going to review. It is a predominantly well it is an entirely russian album i'm gonna so obviously with every, everything else it's usually in english and i just start saying the song titles the album title that sort of thing so it felt rude of me to just go with oh track one and the album and this so i have tried to learn or at least like print out the pronunciation for all these words i'm about to read out if i don't do them justice i'm so very sorry but as it turns out, the Russian language is actually really difficult. Uh, the album is... It's pronounced House, I believe. It's by Sapruga. It's 
it's a weird spelling because Google gets very confused with it because I think there is like a Cyrillic letter in there somewhere, but it's X-A-O-C. That's how it looks like to me. Um, the band is called Supruga, S-U-P-R-U-G-A. It is their debut album. They are from Samara in Russia and they play a very abrasive, black and hardcore kind of sound. And the word howls, I do hope I'm saying that right, it means chaos in English, which is fucking, oh, so it means chaos in Russian, I should say. It is fucking apropos because Supruga play like a dissonant barrage of black and hardcore, but it is fucking awesome. I've so very much enjoyed this album. I've listened to it for about three weeks now, which is longer than I give a lot of other albums, three or four weeks, purely because just I always find reviewing these kind of albums difficult because although they are like quite centered into how they play and what they play is fucking great it's hard to describe them without being repetitive so this is this is my best attempt after drinking tea of course and getting spilling everywhere so the album house does possess 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 why is my this possesses all the melody and structure of your typical hardcore punk album, but delivered with a terrifying black metal filter. Um, the sort of like seamless transition and seamless blending kind of reminds me of how Cavell Attack do it, because they blend a like a black metal sound with a hardcore punk delivery with a little bit of rock and roll in it. There's le- obviously so much less rock and roll in this to the point where there's no rock and roll in this, strangely enough. Um, but they're like the melding of the genres work in that same sort of regard. It opens with like some uh, a noise track which goes into the first proper song in the album. It is a song pronounced Sartsvia. Uh, it means kingdom. And it's a opens with a really unsettling, like scaling riff, and then it just like explodes into the shrieks of the vocalist. Uh, Ksenia, who is very Eva Spency in the way she can like utilize the grotesque shrieks and the more harmonic cleans. And I'll talk about her cleans a little bit later on the album. They are almost haunting in a lot of regards in the album. But I tried, I tried a lot not to compare them to um, Rolla Tomasi because I felt as soon as you start comparing them to like other female bands, it kind of feels lazy. But the way she does use her voice especially on the latest Rolo album on the on that latest Rolo album it goes like you've got the really angelic synthy opening to then the best pop song that isn't an actual pop song where Eva just uses all cleans and then the next song is just thundering shrieks that she's known for Ksenia has that kind that similar sort of attack where she can do those like really angelic softs, but then when she wants to, she will fucking rip your ears out. Uh, track three, which I believe is pronounced Montre. This is all from Google Translate, by the way, so if it's shit, you can blame Google. That's what I usually do. I drop my head. Uh, it means monsters, and to me, it just sounds, it's just one massive fucking blast beat from Joma Pavel. Um, that eventually leads into this like around one minute 40 
it, you feel it more on headphones, like over ear headphones. But there's just this really pulsating riff from guitarist Dimitri, and it's really unsettling just to have this like wave of guitar sonic, I guess, just attack you from both sides. And the pace slows down afterwards for track four, which pleases uh, Jazz. Oh, I got this right yesterday. Kishkshniga. I'm so sorry, guys. Uh, it means Predator Hour. It's the, for my recollection, it's the first to include um, Ksenia's Cleans, which in here, it sounds, they sound, oh my God, they sound so, it's almost terrifying how much they sound so pain and so emotional. It does sound incredible, and I love this kind of juxtaposition where they are, for the purpose, they are clean vocals. She's not screaming. She's not, um, it's not like a hardcore shout either. It is her just using her natural voice, but oh, I'm just trying to think how I can describe it without sounding like some kind of serial killer. Which I can write. She sounds. Mm, I'm not sure I can get away with this. She sounds like a victim from a horror movie. Which, given this kind of music, I feel like that is a compliment. But I also am aware that that might not sound like a compliment. But just fucking listen to the song. It's she. It's all. It's a clean part. I can't remember. It's the second. It's the latter half of the song. But it's just it, the way it comes through. It sounds like you are. Like, listen to someone's dying breath. And it's so, again, so unsettling and so uncomfortable. But with the huge, like, bass-driven, um, really attacking riffs in the background, it just sounds so oofed. Oofed, I say. Which is a pretty decent score. Sorry, I need to drink more tea. On the track six, then, with um, Kilivec which means person, I believe. It brings in a more controlled, haunting delivery overall. And then the speed is brought back up for track seven, which is Sienia, I believe. Uh, it means radiance, and it has this great vocal trade-off between Ksenia and the bassist. I believe it's the bassist doing the backing vocals of this, a uh, gentleman called Archon. And yeah, that trade-off between Although Ksenia has like a harsh vocal in general, I wouldn't consider it a higher register, but by no means is it like a deep voice either. It's like mid-range, but with Archim comes in, he's got very low, um, low end, very gravelly kind of shout to him. And it is more like more grindcore shout. And that bouncing between those kind of vocals does work really well here. And there's also a fantastic, really, it sounds like a slowed down black metal rift at around 152. And it's weird because it is, what's the kind of, is it Tremelo picking? Where it's like, which is repeated really fast. It kind of sounds like that, but someone is literally just very, imagine um, Sun O trying to do like a Tremelo, uh, tremelo riff. That, and the first drum metal band I can think of, but yeah, that really, really slow execution, but it is still like, do, 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 well, slower than that. 
And the final track on the album, which I won't try because I there's I just know I'll get it wrong. I've never seen that many H's in a word before in like the anglicized way. It means Confession of the Mourners. And like I was saying before, like I didn't like to compare this to like female fronted bands because it I just feel it's lazy. It does have a very oathbreaker like approach and that the opening half of the song is very post rock, very spacey, very eclectic. And then a really seamless flick. Fucking hell. A really seamless switch is flicked. And now you are in this blackened, doomy abyss. And I did... I like went over a few times and tried to figure out at what point that change from like this post-rock sound to this like gloomy, blackened doom happens. And literally, it is just... It's instant. But it feels so natural that you do... If you're not looking out for it, you just do miss it. I had a lot of fun with this album. I thought it was... It is a brutal, brutal album, but it was a lot of fun. It was the sort of thing where, with when I listen to albums, I like to listen to them obviously in full, take everything in, and then the best songs in the album I'll put into a, like just a shuffle playlist. When I'm just being lazy and I just want to listen to music I'm familiar with, just play that on like at a gym or on the walk, walk to work, whatever, and you know that's the shuffle you get. With this kind of album, although. There are some of the songs like, uh, what's track two called? Svartia, um, which is track two, and I believe it was track four, which. Do I have it? I do. Uh, Chaz Kishknika. Again, I'm really, really sorry, guys. Um, songs like that can go in that playlist and they can be familiar, but listen to this album as one fluid piece. Just. It feels like that's like the best way to listen to it because everything just flows off really well for each other i used i would have this album on just going about my day and i would be so engrossed with it i wouldn't realize when one song finished and one song would begin uh and i think a lot of that is they're trying to blend that black and hardcore sound with so many different variables and so many different ideas there's a lot of doom in here or post rock noise um little bits of industrial here and there as well. The versatility of Ksenia's vocals are brilliant. Like I said, the overspence, clean and harsh sort of thing combined with like the trade-off of Artyom. The only real criticism I'll have for this album is because like the whole singles thing, that's just like a personal thing. I, I know a lot of people will only listen to albums in full and this is sort of album for that audience. The only issue I have with this album is I would love to see... So at the moment, these ideas, they are one per song. So and first you've got like the little experiment with cleans, and then it's a full clean song, or like more of a um, clean vocal song. And then you've got the trade-up between Ksenia and Archom, and then you've got this, and then you've got that. I would love to see... I know it's like a really nitpicky thing. I'd love to see um, more of those things happening in the same song, like that strained clean um terror sing or terror vocal from track what was it track four yeah that like horrifying sounding clean yelp combined with archums like low end gravelly shouts i think would be fucking great like i said that is 
a nitpicky kind of thing. Uh, one thing I did find from this album is the Russian language, as it turns out, works really fucking well for this kind of music because the words are just spat out with so much anger and so much venom. I don't know if that's just... Remain. I, I, won't, I won't lie. I have had limited experience with listening to Russian musicians. It might just be Sapruga or it might just be a Russian thing, but they just sound so angry all the time. And I wish I knew what they were saying. Google Translate only does so much with um, translating what they are saying, but I'm sure it's all lovely. I'm sure that's music you play to your kids. I'm probably going to play it to women anyway, if I ever have any. Um, kind of bands that I would compare this to or kind of bands that I feel like other fans would like. The big one for me was Converge. The sort of like distant hardcore end of things. Um, doing a bit of research, I found a lot of comparisons to All Pigs Must Die. And I think the outsider one that I was looking at, it, just in terms of atmosphere and other things going on, I kind of compared them to Birds in Row, which I know we were talking about earlier for Damnation. That sort of eerie yet hardcore attack. I think would blend over quite well to Sapruga, but it is obviously a much more aggressive version of that. But yeah, Converge, All Pigs Must Die, and Birds in Row. Or just like Black and Hardcore in general, because I couldn't find a lot of Black and Hardcore to compare this to, because everyone does a little bit differently. Either way, Sapruga, and the album is called House, I believe. Sapruga is spelled S-U-P-R-U-G-A, and the spelling that keeps confusing Google, because I feel like there might be a Cyrillic letter in there somewhere, X-A-O-C. Right. On to... Well, first tea break. I really must get a straw or something for this. But on to the next album of this week. It is the latest album from In Flames. It's called Eye the Mask. It is their 13th studio album from the Gothenburg Boys. And I refuse to label them a, a melodic hard bleh, bleh, bleh. melodic death metal band now. I still refuse to call them melodic hardcore, but they are not a melodic death metal band anymore. They are more alt metal now. They're more metalcore now. There's going to be a big point I make about this later, but for now we'll stick to this. It is a follow-up to 2016's Battles, which I did not enjoy. Oh man, I really didn't enjoy that album at all. The songs were hollow, the production wasn't great, the songs themselves were pretty cheesy. And as sad as it is, so I got into In Flames around, or kind of around, Sounds of a Playground Fading. Which, I say that, it was mostly the lead single, Deliver Us, which I still think is a great song. I do really, really love that song, excuse me. Um, with... Siren Charms, which was the album that came afterwards. I actually really enjoyed that album. It gets a lot of shit online. And it's understandable for people who are fans of OG In Flames. But again, I will have my comments to say about that later. But I thought Siren Charms was really, really fun. Um, songs like Paralyzed and End of Everything are still... I still listen to them. They're still stuck in my head every now and again. Um, and based on that and based on... Sounds of Playground Fading battles with such a come down that ultimately I kind of wasn't bothered when In Flames announced that Either Mask was coming out. And I'll talk about it a bit more later, but I wasn't really 
keen on I'm above to the point where I'm just reading now. This is our house came out the same day. I didn't even realize. Now I really enjoy that song. Again, I'll talk about it and build a bit, but yeah, ultimately I just wasn't that fussed. But in the lead up coming up to it, a friend of mine from work was talking about it. More like little clips kept popping up on Instagram, Facebook. So I thought ultimately might as well give it a go. Also, I'm trying to review music now, so it makes sense to have a look at it. The Immediately though, from the opening song, Voices, you can tell that the production is a lot better and it is a lot more inclined to how, uh, like, Come Clarity and Siren Charms. I was going to say um, Playground, but I feel like Playground's a little bit too electronic for that comparison. So yeah, more Siren Charms, more Come Clarity. It the guitars sound crunchier, which in turn makes the riff sound so much better. And yeah, so from song one, you can kind of tell it is more, they are trying to bring in more of what they're known for as opposed to just go for what they are. Also worth pointing out, this is going to be the first album not to have their long-time bassist, Peter Ewers. And their first, so he's been replaced by... Bryce Paul Newman. And I'm going to talk about the drums a bit in this album. So Tanner Wayne replaced Joe Rikard, Rickard, not sure how to pronounce his last name. And on their Wikipedia it just says, um, drums were handled by Joe and Tanner with additional drums. So I don't know at what point Joe finishes and Tanner starts, but for the rest of this, if I talk about drumming, it's just going to be the drummer. So who the fuck knows? Um, yeah, moving on to like the title track, I think the title track on here is the most classic Inflame song they've had since Come Clarity. Um, the bass kick on, or the bass drums on the song really, really make up the song. They really set the pace very, very well. And the multi-layered vocals on the choruses really emphasize that juxtaposition between the harsh and cleans. It's a trope of metalcore because that's in my view, what they are now. Yep, it, it, it's a trigger point. But yeah, I thought Either Mass, the title song, was really, really strong song. And it's like, like I said, more of a classic Inflame song. More teeth, I'm sorry. And at this point, Anders's voice is the probably the best i've heard it for, for me at least it really excels in the opening songs um that continues into call my name he really has to hit those soaring notes and he does it really really fucking well and that continues on and that f like it's a similar thing in follow me which is one of the first um well, it's the first of many admittedly but like hard rock ballady kind of songs from the album and particularly in Follow Me, that last chorus is a seriously powerful performance. Um, it could easily rival a lot of American radio rock performances, which I know is not what people don't want that from in Flames, but why the fuck not? Metal, ba uh, metal fans are so fucking weird. I've listened to podcasts today where people are always crying out for metal bands to have that more recognition on the radio and got bands like Black Peaks who are doing that but why can't more 
classic metal bands such as In Frames do that as well when they can do performances like this. I don't know, what the fuck do I know about nothing. But the control Anders has in his voice in this album, I know it's he, he gets a lot of flack, and I'm not quite sure. I don't know if it's because I came in for Sounds of a Playground Fading where he had he already had, I would say, a fairly decent control on his voice. And I always thought like quite a unique voice at that. But a lot of people find him as like the easy go-to point for criticizing Inflamed. I think on this album he is fucking superb. I really, really enjoyed um, his voice on here. And like I said, uh, I Am Above was the lead single. I was initially a bit unsure. It didn't really do much for me. It has grown on me a bit, listening to it in the context of the rest of the album. It's. I would still consider this one of the weaker songs in the album. I'll go into a bit more detail later, but like the second, like the final third or so of the album does drop off. Um, so the first, like up to I think it's like song eight, are really strong. And I would say this is probably the weakest out of that good portion of the album. Which I feel like if they um, pushed, I think. I'm Above got pushed more because it does cater more to that heavy metal sound that people keep crying out for for Inflamed. But I, in my opinion, I would have pushed This Is Our House as the stronger lead single. But then, like I said, I've been going, I've been waxing lyrical about Anders voice for the entire album and I will continue to do so for the rest of the review. But Inflamed's fans are fucking mental. The pre-chorus to This Is Our House, as it happens, and the sounds, oh man, I cannot, I keep going on and I'm aware of this. And as I was writing this, I realized I was going on about Anders' voice so much. But outside of the really super cringy lyrics, which again, could rival US Radio Rock. He sounds so good. Um, it's not a perfect song. I don't like the gang chants. Initially, I thought they were like a kid's chant thing. And it's like Machine Head couldn't do it. I don't think Behemoth did it very well. I just don't. I just don't think they work well. Like this kid gang vocals. Gang vocals, I think, only really work for me in like pop punk or punk rock in general. I don't. I would. I would happily take them away. And I think in that pre-chorus bit where he, this is our time we want back down. The first time he does it, there's like a low. There's like a gap between the next part and it's like a more low. I don't really know how to describe it. I guess like more low end sort of sinister sounding vocal, which is only for like a line or two. But I would have just gone without that and gone from that pre-chorus, this is our time, into the main chorus. So by no means is it a perfect song, but I think it would have done better than I Am Above. And as I was saying before, the final third of the album is fairly uneventful. The early album has some great riffs and, again, and its vocals, blah, blah, blah. The drums are great too, but like I said before, it's hard to tell where what's Tanner and what's Joe. The final third, the only thing that really stuck out to me was the pre-chorus of Deep Inside. As a lyric that... For ages, I kept thinking was Devon Townsend. It's absolutely not, but my God, does it sound like him a little bit? Um, but otherwise, yeah, the riffs are quite generic. They lack the earlier oomph from before. 
Stay With Me does a half-decent attempt at trying to be an acoustic version of November Rain by Guns N' Roses, but yeah, Final Third is a bit, it's a bit bland, it's a bit of a drop-off for me. Um, potentially, though, I would consider this the best album since Sounds of Playground Fading. Maybe, because I'm not, uh, as much as I do enjoy what I've heard of In Flames, I by no means am an expert on their entire back catalogue. This is it's album number 13, I've still got quite a way to go. But I'd maybe even consider it as good as A Sense of Purpose. This is by far the best Anders has sounded since Come Clarity. He's really found control with his clean vocals. He can really bounce between the harsh and clean so well and so naturally. And he knows not only how to use them, but when to use them, which I think a lot of bands get wrong. Riffs are back up to standard in terms of technicality and just like overall aesthetic sound. But the solos really, I, Kirk Hamp gets a lot of grief for having like very wah pedal based solos, which I understand. I still really like them because I think there's still enough variety in them. But I kind of get why dedicated guitarists might be a bit irked by it all. This album made me realise that every Inflamed solo sounds exactly the same. It's that big like to start with and then it's just more the is it reverb effect i'm not i'm not a guitarist but like that's that like noise that effect to a guitar it's just that thing what tie away for the solo and if you want to have that sonic that, that key effect for a solo in the same way kirk kamek has done fair fucks to you go like live long and rip and fucking slay that shit but Every solo that I can think of from In Flames starts that exact same way. And I just think, like, by now, especially with a new guitarist as well, or like a newer guitarist compared to uh, Jasper. Jasper, sorry. You've got, that you've got that chance to really, like, just mix it up a bit. That's, that's, that's all I'm saying. It's just, it's just all I'm saying, but yeah. It's just me. Thing that I wanted to really hammer home about this album is gatekeepers need to stop labeling in flames as a mellow death band. And listen to this album and write a review for it. I had a look for other reviews, and so many of them read or started with something on the lines of um, stray further away from melodic death metal or former mellow death icons missed the boat with modern metal sound. I'm like, yes. They were melodic death metal. They were one of the key figures from the Gothenburg death metal scene. They are iconic in that regard and should be heralded as such. There's a car alarm going off. But they are not a mellow death band anymore. They haven't really been part of that sound since uh, A Sense of Purpose and maybe even cl Come Clarity. They haven't been true melodic death metal since Clayman and that was in 2000 that's nearly 20 fucking years ago holy shit we're all so old they are a modern alternative metal metalcore band now and they should be judged, judged as such like the for fans of part I've got Woven War I've got Light the Torch and Avatar but the Woven War and Light the Torch comparison compare them to those sort of bands and that, that kind of music if you say 
Woven Wall do it better or Light the Touch do it so much better, then fair fucks, but you are judging them based on that kind of music, not a kind of music that they just don't play anymore. Uh, as I was writing this, I ended up coming across an article, like an article headline. Get, didn't get a chance to read it. And Anders, in an interview with some publication, was saying, we always thought metal fans were the most open or the most flexible when it came to sound. Apparently not. I'm like, no, what? You're fucking right. Because they are still hot. Most people nowadays won't remember. I don't remember what Inflame sound like as a melodic death metal band because I wasn't there for it. I was alive for it, but I wasn't musically conscious of it. Like I said, my first um, Inflames album, technically it was 2014, Siren, um, Siren Charms came out. And I just think, we need to start, like, Inflames get the same flack every single album. They're not Melo Death anymore. When I was doing research for Come Clarity for Open Mic a couple weeks ago, Oh, stay away from anything made post a sense of purpose. Do this, this, and this. Like, they are a different band now. It's only, um, it's, I know none of them are the original band anymore. Like, the guys who initially made the album. I think Anders, Anders and Bjorn are the longest serving uh, members of the band. But you've got an entirely new rhythm. Well, in fact, no, you do have an entirely new rhythm section that's been there since 2011. They are near enough a new band. They've got a, a keyboardist in now who obviously purely just live. Working with a studio um, keyboardist for so many years. They are not the Gothenburg patrons anymore. They were, and like I said, we should respect them for what they did. But let's respect them for what they do now. And like I said, if you listen to them and you think they're shit because this band could do metalcore so much better, fair fucks. There probably are metal ba- metalcore bands who can do it better than Inflames right now. But if you're going to say, oh, fucking Children of Bottom had much better risks in their melodic death metal albums, like, well, fucking obviously because they're trying to do something closer to death metal. Ye. Fucking spanners, but I hope I got the point across. I know I've come a bumble a bit because I forgot every single melodic death metal band that ever played music ever. But I, I'm not. I haven't heard much from Dark Tranquility. Yeah, Dark Tranquility. But I've listened to a little bit of uh, Sonic Syndicate was the wrong band I was thinking of. But either way, I just feel like we need to just get used to what they are now and. Yeah, this whole gatekeeping thing is what pushes a lot of people away from alternative music in general. I know the amount of people... I remember, actually, when one of the schools I joined, I bounced around so many, but um, I was chatting to someone in music and they were saying how, like, what music listened to. And at the time, and still now to a point, I was a huge fan of Manowar, a power metal band. And I said this to him, whereas, like, the average music fan will not know, odds are, will not know who Man of War are. They are a fairly niche, excuse me, they are a fairly niche example of a very niche, excuse me again, very niche kind of music. And instead of saying, oh, they're not a fan of them, but, you know, realising that this was someone who 
were kind of more into alternative music, I just got brushed away and saying they were shit. And it's that kind of attitude, and this kind of attitude that happens to Inflames, that will push more people away, and that, and that stops these sort of bands getting played on the radio. Right, mainstream outlets will avoid them at all costs because they've got such a fucking toxic community. I don't know. It just it's a trigger point. It is a trigger point. I'll happily say it is, um, but not to reflect away from the new Inflames album. I really enjoyed it. Something something Anders vocals. If you, like I said, it was, it's, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not well versed in this like more modern alternative metal sound that they're going for. So I kind of did compare them to Woven War, Lesser Extent, Light the Torch, and Avatar as well. Maybe not the latest album, because the latest album wasn't very good. Um, and not Hail the Apocalypse, more Feathers and Flesh, I think. And I really enjoyed that album, so... Feathers of Flesh, Avatar, Light the Torch, which is a new album from Howard Jones, uh, formerly of Gilsuch Gage, and Woven War, which is what made was made after Tim Lambesis went fucking insane from Azalea Dying. I recommend Either Mask from Inflamed. And if you don't like it, say you don't like it because they're a metal, they're an alt metal band or a metalcore band, don't say you don't like them because they're not metal death metal anymore. Else I will club you like a baby seal. Which isn't a good thing for a vegetarian to say, but oh well. Either way, on to sort of two like main albums for this week. The open mic for this week is an album or a project that I go on about a fair old bit, which is interesting, and I'll tell you why in a bit. But I am looking at oh, it's English and it's still a weird word. Ironoclast. It is the debut album from the Damn Things. It was the Damn Things are a New York-based hard rock heavy metal supergroup. They are made up of Keith Buckley. Well, for this album, it was Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die, Rob Caggiano, then of Anthrax, along with Scott Ian, still of Anthrax, Joe Troman and Andy Harley of Fall Out Boy, and although he's not appeared on the album, Josh Noon at this time was playing with the damn things. He was, at the time, the bassist of Every Time I Die as well. Um... Yeah, I think at the time when the album came out, he was just a live performer and then joined as a full-time thing, and now he's since left. We'll get into that more in a bit. For the for everyone's main bands at the time, so in terms of Anthrax, they hadn't released an album since We've Come For You All in 2003, uh, by which point John Bush had left. It'd be replaced by Anthrax's old vocalist, Joey Belladonna. And they were... <coughs> excuse me. Less than a year away from releasing Worship Music that came out in 2011. Fall Out Boy had split the year prior. And at this point, Joe and Andy, from my recollection, hadn't done anything. I think Enabler came later and sort of with Nice gets them a little bit later on. And Every Time I Die were a year removed from releasing New York, New York, New Junk Aesthetic. Aesthetic. So it was kind of like in the middle period for everyone involved. There was no like clashes with other projects or anything like that it was more a spare time kind of thing or a lead up to something that came later on um and like i was saying i go on about this album a fair old bit and you'd think that's because like i've listened to the album it's one of my favorite albums of all time blah 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 this was the first time i'd ever listened to this album in full 
I'd listened to We've Got Situation Here a lot. I've really enjoyed that song, but for whatever reason, I just never went into the album in full. And the reason why I got about it is I was excited by the idea of this project because the talent involved are incredible. Like, you've got guys from Anthrax, who I really enjoy. Um, Every Time I Die, limited experience I've had with them, I enjoyed them. Fall Out Boy, I really fucking enjoyed as well. Pre-reunion. And it was Andy and Joe that more recently was the reason why I want to go back and listen to this album because up to Fully Adieu and including Fully Adieu, they were fantastic musicians for in Fall Out Boy. Joe's guitar work helped separate Fall Out Boy from other pop-punk bands. Um, Andy has this huge history of playing with hardcore bands and so I thought that give him, this would give him a chance to, for some of that to leak through. And I just thought, combine them with this, like, the other plethora of musicians in this, in this project. Like, Scott Ian has played with a crossover band before. Um, you've got guys of Every Time I Die. I thought this was going to be, like, a really interesting hardcore album on paper. And it's anything but that. It is anything but straight away into handbook for recent deceased recently deceased it is so much more of an 80s glam rock influence than i ever expected it is not cheesy lyrically but somehow cheesy musically and i don't know if that makes sense or not but keith um keith keith on the chorus sounds fucking colossal he sounds so amazing and like i said i had um limited experience of every time i die going into this and to hear i've heard like little snippets of his clean singing before but he can hit those notes better than most like i couldn't think of anyone who could hit that kind of thing better off the top of my head but then off the top of my head is really shit when i ever turn the microphone on uh andy's drum work it does what I was going on about before, about a chance for him to bring in some more of that hardcore playing. It's not blast beats by any means, but the first half of the chorus, I can't tell if it's like a um, double kick. That probably sounds terrifying or really inappropriate on the mic. But that, um, it's, I can't tell if it's double kick bass or if it's like a tom roll. But it just sounds... So I hate this. I, it's a really shit word to you, but so epic. And even though it's the chorus, it feels like it's building up to something bigger. And then they, they play through the chorus a second time, and he's got a different drum beat. And because of what he's done, that like low drumming sound before, the second chorus now sounds fucking huge, so much bigger than the exact same thing that happened before. More tea, sorry. He's gone cold and I'm sad. Disgusting. Uh, where was I? And the 80s rock trope sort of bleed into bad blood. And when I was saying before, like, musically it's kind of cheesy, but I'm not quite sure. I know exactly what's so fucking cheesy about the song. It's got fucking hand claps and castanets in it. Fucking, uh, yeah. Fucking, why not? Why not, eh? Why not? Fucking... That's the wrong hand clap, but still, castanets. I can't do a castanet sound. 
and that leads into Friday Night Going Down the Flames. And that rounds out one of the best opening three salvos from an al- album. Like, I was comparing this to... Um, I see... Um, I was comparing it, now. I'm not 100 sure about Black Album, but definitely American Idiot by Green Day, and even possibly Outcome, An Outcome the Walls by Rancid. I'm blind. They these songs are so full of energy and Keith soaring vocals. I always go for like the chorus vocals, don't I? Keith on them sound fucking incredible, and it is such a stark contrast from what he's doing in Every Time I Die. Uh, it goes into, we've got a situation here, which was the lead, sing- lead single from the album. And I think this is one of the few songs where it bleeds in someone else's project into the band. Because it's got a lot of like the southern rock kind of stuff from Every Time I Die sound in here. And yeah, like I said, it, I can hear it more here than I can anywhere else. There's a lot of blues in the rest of the album, which is one thing. But there's a distinct like southern rock vibe coming from this um, song that I can't quite put my finger on well and speaking of the blues Blackheart bounces between this like blues rock sort of like draped in attitude swaggery sort of thing with the more high energy octane I hear that I hear that phrase a lot high energy, energy octane I've no idea what octane even means but the more high energy thing that hard rock likes to do and a Great Reckoning. So after A Great Reckoning, which the song itself, it kind of feels like a blues-tinged ballad. Well, the blue-tinged ballad. Blah, fucking hell. The, I was doing so well, wasn't I? Oh, well. A Great Reckoning feels like the blues-tinged ballad for the album. And it shows off not only um, Keith's vocals, but the backing vocals, which were... Oh, damn near everyone. It was Rob, Scott, and Joe. The layering that they give gives Keith's vocals that much more punch in delivery, which is a really subtle thing to do, but it is tremendously effective. And it does make those choruses and Keith just in general sound that much bigger, that much more um, active and alive. But after A Great Reckoning... It does dip a bit. Like, Little Darling is just barely saved by Keith on the course again. Similar to that whole thing I was saying about Anders and the Inflames album. It's, you know, really, really good chorus, um, chorus performances. And so you got Little Darling saved by that. The Blues Having Blues has a couple of little, like, fun vocal hooks in there. But overall, the last four songs of the album are quite... It's a bit of a um, drop. They are not, whereas like the first portion of the album are super catchy and super like earworm, these are quite generic I feel. And it, it is a kind of a bummer way to end the album, but the first half of the album has already got you fucking salivating anyway. So it, the first half I think does make up for it. It's one of those rare occasions where the first half will make up for a dodgy bottom, I guess. The album in general is a case of the whole is far more interesting than the sum of its parts. And that's not a knock on any of the albums, except for like post-2013 Fallout Boy. But on paper, a super group of, mem- a super group of 
made up of members. I'm going to try that again. On paper, a supergroup made up of members from Every Time I Die, Fallout Boy, and Anthrax. They are th three bands on very different ends of the musical spectrum. And as I said before, on paper, I kind of thought it'd be more of a hardcore-tinged thing or more of a crossover kind of thing, but I don't know many people who would have guessed that this is what I, it would sound like, especially when I think I read the oh, like the origins of the album came between Joe Troman and Scott Ian meeting some like a gig or something or a festival and just like exchanging ideas and writing together. And it's so the formi formative periods came from Anthrax and Fallout Boy. You know, it's not like that's not your first guess. I think for me that the album is crazy catchy, and I've really, really fucking enjoyed it. It's a case of because of how good those first six or seven songs are. The last few do just tend to, you just can't ignore them. And yeah, the, it's I think with cells was the latest song out. It's, Music video for that is fucking hysterical. Um, but it has definitely got me hyped for High Crimes, which is coming out the 26th of April. Uh, as like an idea of what happened after the album, so this came out in like 2010, so we're coming up to like just under 10 years since the first The Damn Things album. Keith continued on with Every Time I Die and formed an electro-indie project called Tape with Joshua Hurley. Uh, Kajano would leave Anthrax in 2013 following Worship Music and would quickly join Volbeat from Denmark and has since released two albums with them and he even confirmed his exit from The Damn Things I believe it was earlier this year I remember reporting it but I'm pretty sure it was this side of Christmas uh, Scott Ian is still the long-standing rhythm guitarist of Anthrax and he re released Worship Music and then For All Kings and at the moment, he likes hanging out on Game of Thrones, pretending to be a White Walker, whatever that means. And on The Walking Dead, as just a normal walker, which I guess is just less racist, I guess. I don't know. I don't watch TV. Troman and Hurley, unfortunately, went back to Fallout Boy. They reformed it in 2013. And it was before people realised we didn't want that anymore. And he has also played with hardcore band Enabler for their 2012 album All Hail the Void, which I remember being quite excellent. And Joe would actually form a spacey punk duo called With Knives with Josh Newton. They released an EP called Schadenfreude in April 2012. And speaking of the Josh Newton, he would leave um, Every Time I Die in 2011 and reform Shiner the year later. And he's filled in for live shows and has worked as a drum tech, uh, drum tech, fucking bass tech and guitar tech for... Fallout Boy, Band of Horses, and I think most recently he's a tech for Kings of Leon. And when the damn things came out with their new song Cells and like we're back kind of thing, it was with Keith, with Scott, with Joe, with Hurley, um, with Andy Hurley, and it's also with now. Now it's with Dan Andriano from the Appline Trio. So he's a new bassist on a new album, High Crimes. And to confirm, Rob and Josh are no longer part of the project, which is fair. If, like, to go into this album, 
I reckon it's oh fuck like I said there's a lot of like old school like 80s hard rock glam in the loosest form but still like that cheesy but just the overall cheesiness of that kind of scene in here a lot so if I was going to make comparisons from a scene I know nothing about with that 80s glam rock um with a bit of research I heard comparisons with Maylene and the Sons of Disaster personally I would throw in there Volbeat as well and more latter day Motorhead obviously Lemmy and Keith have very different style of vocals but the one song that keeps playing in my head is Get Back In Line from I don't think it was Bad Magic I think it was the, it wasn't After was it Aftershock might have been Aftershock um but even Lemmy towards like later stages of his career was hitting those big soaring notes that I think Keith does to a similar degree so yeah more fucking hell I did so well not to punch you all day I'm sorry more latter day uh, Motorhead I think Volbeat's a good show as is um, the one I found online which is mainly in the Sun's Disaster go for any of them or just overall fun rock music in general I recommend The Damn Things with Ironoclast came out in 2010 there's a new album coming out in April and I think it will be pretty darn good Oh, it's cold and I need to go do things. So that is the end of this week's Desolation Sounds podcast. As ever, social media is... Yes, go. Mm. Uh, next week, I'm thinking of doing the new Swimmers album and obviously throwing a few more bits in there as well. And any comments or suggestions, go to the social medias, which is definitely Desolation Pod, not whatever I said a minute ago. And until next week, I will see you soon. Goodbye.